Good morning. You don't have to stop talking. Well, actually, let's start singing instead of talking. Stand, if you will. We're glad that you're here in the Lord's house. Let's worship together. Sing wherever I go. All my life, all I know. God's been good, good to my soul. Mountain high, valley low. I'm gonna sing wherever I go. Amen. And that song is so true. All of our lives, no matter what, we can call upon the name of the Lord in any given situation at any time. Amen. Amen. We serve a God who is faithful and loving and is so, so good. It's so good to see everybody. How's everyone doing? Doing all right? All right. Put your thumbs down if you lost power this past week. Anybody? Okay, good. This is fantastic. The, I, hey, this has been a crazy week. I, I'm not all about ice, okay? I can do snow. But listen, it was so bad this week, I actually wore tennis shoes on the staff retreat. Right, Brother Will? I mean, it was, it was a crazy week. The, Phil the groundhog died even after a shadow. I just, it's been extra. It's been extra. Anyways, 
It's so good to see you guys. We've been praying for you this week. We know that God has something incredible and in store for us today, and we believe that He is already meeting us here. The question is, are you ready? All right? And we've been praying for you. All right? I just want to welcome our guests. Um, if you've been coming the last few weeks or today is your first time ever being here, welcome. We are so glad that you are here. We would love to tell you all about our church and everything that's going on. So right, out, uh, right after service, outside these back doors, there's a couple stations there. You can go there. We'll have someone there to meet you, uh, get to know your family, tell you all about what's going on at our church, and so forth. If you are a member here and you have not signed up for our weekly newsletter, you can do so. We Again, we, we want to make sure you guys get all the information through all the social medias and emails, so that is covered. You can go sign up for those on this iPad back out this door, okay? We love you guys. Again, we've been praying for you and that God does something awesome today. I'm going to invite you all to stand up right now, and we're going to get right back into our services after we say a quick prayer. Let's do that. Lord, we love you. Again, thank you so much for bringing us back together today, God. Each and every single person in this room right now was meant to be here, and we firmly believe that. And We firmly believe through the preaching of your word that you are going to be speaking to our hearts today, God. So I pray that we can adjust our focus, put all of our, all of our distractions and, and uh, things that are trying to get in the way aside, and we can solely focus on you today because, God, we're talking about important stuff today, and we are praying for salvation in this room today. If there's some Someone here that does not know you, that does not have that personal relationship with you today, God, we pray that your word speaks di directly into their hearts and we see something awesome happen today. As for the rest of us, God, we want to grow and we want to build our lives so much better. And Lord, we do that through the preaching of your word and diving in. So Lord, help us focus and to be ready for you today. We love you so much. Bless the rest of our service time in your name. Amen. Greet those around you and we'll get started in just a second.
praise God for that same power. So thankful that we, we still experience that today. I've been reading in the book of Exodus, and in that book it tells us that God's people had many, many problems. Feel, does that feel like familiar to you? Yes, because we all do. Um, they were in bondage and affliction, and um, God sent them someone to help them uh, be free from that. Then when they were free, they had the problem of which way do we go? Where do we go from here? And God provided a cloud by day and fire, a pillar of fire by night for their guidance. They needed sustenance. They had no food. God provided manna and quail. They had no water. He provided water right out of a rock. They also, um, they needed protection. Pharaoh's army came after them. God put a cloud between them and the army. Darkness on the army's side and, and light on his people's side. Then they needed a way when there was no way. They had the Red Sea in front of them, the army behind them, and there was no way for them to go. And God parted the sea for them to, to pass through. He met that need. They had a need for the presence of God in their lives. And he gave them instructions to build the sanctuary where he would dwell among them they had a need for redemption and he provided a way of burnt offerings and sacrifices for their atonement and you know as I was saying before we have these same needs we need sustenance we need protection we need guidance and direction and God gives us that and I'm so thankful for that and um, this song we're getting ready to sing the lyrics, there's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need, you've got. I'm so thankful. Just praise God and affirm that with us that he does have everything that we need. And let's praise him this morning. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone. See you. 
praise you in this place. We give you everything that we have, even though it's not much. It's just a simple song, Lord, but it's all you need, and you give us everything that we need. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone. No matter where we're at, no matter our situations, Lord, maybe there's somebody in here today that needs to hear this word, Lord, and come to you and come home. I pray a special blessing over Will as he gives this message, Lord God, and I pray that this service would speak to somebody clearly and loudly, Lord. And in your name I pray. Amen. Wasn't that great? Man, thank you, praise team. Amen, amen. Woo! <laughs> wow. Mm. God's about to do something. He, he already has. He already has in the first service. He's going to do something special right now in this service. And Jesus, I pray... I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that Satan would be bound from this place. I pray, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to speak into our lives and our hearts. And I pray that our attention, dear Lord, would be riveted on you. And we lift high the name of Jesus and his saving power today. Thank you in advance, Lord, for what you're about to do in our lives and in this church. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Mm. Amen and amen. Today I'm going to preach from John chapter 3. My sermon is simply entitled, You Must Be Born Again. Uh, somebody asked me yesterday at a cowboy shooting match that I was at in, in um, Oklahoma, Cushing, Oklahoma. Anybody ever been to Cushing? You can't get to Cushing from here, I can tell you that, but, but a guy asked me, he said, what are you preaching on tomorrow, preacher? And he shouldn't have asked me because, man, I just, I just unwound on him, man. I, I, I said, you, you must be born again. Jesus coined that phrase, you must be born again, and we're going to look at it today, but my subtitle is, what's your story? What is your story? Because here's the deal, if you've been saved by the grace of Jesus, if you have confessed your sins and invited Jesus into your heart, then he has saved you. And guess what? You have a story to tell. Your story is a little bit different than my story, but if you've been saved by the mighty grace of Jesus, you've got a story. 
So what is your story? Well, let me read this passage of scripture, John chapter 3. I'm going to read a lot, but you can listen, can't you? Let's dig in. It was a conversation Jesus had with this religious leader by the name of Nicodemus. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. He was building Jesus up, giving him a pretty good compliment. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, that's the first time Jesus used that phrase, you must be born again. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, and here it is the second time, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, third time Jesus said, truly, truly, or as it is in the old King James Version, verily, verily, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe them, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life." For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And today, dear friends, I lift up to you Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, who tells you today, you must be born again. One of the greatest preachers of all times was an Anglican evangelist by the name of George Whitfield. If you look up his name online, you will think it's George Whitefield, but it was pronounced Whitfield. Most of his preaching was done out of doors, and they say that he could hold audiences of 30 to 40,000 people spellbound for over an hour without any kind of amplification or microphones. He preached three to four times a day from the age of 22 until his death at 55. He visited the American colonies on seven occasions, and on the last visit, a man by the name of Benjamin Randall was saved. You say, well, big deal. Who was Benjamin Randall? He was none other than the founding father of the northern movement of our own Free Will Baptist denomination. The theme of Whitfield's preaching was John chapter 3, 
verses 3 and verse 7. You must be born again. It was through this verse that he came to know Jesus as his personal Savior. And one of his first acts as a new Christian was to write home to his family. And in that letter he said this, I have found that there is such a thing as the new birth. And he preached the new birth everywhere he went. He preached the new birth to the Indian villages of Delaware. He preached the new birth to the slaves of the Caribbean. He preached John 3, 3 to thousands in the fields of Scotland. He preached the same message in the drawing rooms of the British elite. He wrote to his friend Benjamin Franklin and said, As you have made such progress in investigating the mysteries of electricity, I now humbly urge you to give diligent heed to the mysteries of the new birth. For 30 years, he preached day and night on the theme, you must be born again. In one of his final sermons, he told a large crowd in New England, I am now 55 years of age, and I tell you that I am more convinced than ever that the truth of the new birth is a revelation from God himself, and that without it, you can never be saved by Jesus Christ. Why, Mr. Whitfield, a friend once asked him, why do you so often preach on, you must be born again? Because, Whitfield replied, because you must be born again. (laughs) That was the essence of Whitfield's message, and it really is the essence of my message today. Jesus coined that phrase, born again, while talking to Nicodemus. Christ said, in effect, Nicodemus, you are well-educated, you're wealthy, you're influential, you're a religious leader, but you're empty on the inside, and I say to you, you must be born again. I've wondered, why didn't Jesus say, Nicodemus, you need to be saved? (laughs) Or, Nicodemus, you need to be forgiven? Or, Nicodemus, you need to confess your sins? Why did Jesus invent that phrase, born again? You must be born again. Well, to answer that question, I guess I need to ask another question. How is being saved like being born again? That's the real question. The phrase born again is a figure of speech. It is comparing the beginnings of the Christian life with the beginnings of human life. So how then is the process of salvation like the birthing process. If I were a smart preacher, I would have asked perhaps my daughter or one of you other ladies who have given birth to a child to come up and preach this part of the sermon. (laughs) Because you know a whole lot better than I do, but, but I want to draw some comparisons about physical birth and spiritual birth. For example, number one, The new birth is an instantaneous event. It's really preceded by a period of gestation. But birth itself is instantaneous, is it not? One moment you're unborn, the next moment you're born. One moment you're in your mother's womb, the next moment there you are. For everyone to see you and hear you as you cry that first cry. I had the privilege of being in the the hospital room when all three of my my babies were born. And uh, 
Doc, that was an experience, let me tell you. It, I got great stories for, from all three of, of my, my children being born. And, and uh, I guess it was, I guess, it, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I guess it was, and you're wondering too, as you're holding your grandbaby right there. I think it was when maybe Zane was born here. I think it was Dr. Bracey. Was it your doctor? Baruman, Dr. Baruman. That's right, Dr. Baruman. And, and he had come into the room, and Angie was in hard, hard labor. And he was, he was seated over there right next to me. And all of a sudden, I looked over, and he was sleeping. <laughs> he was taking a power nap. And Angie looked at him and then looked at me, and, ah, oh, she, ah. Oh. And she said to me, is he asleep? I said, yeah, baby, he's sleeping. She said, wake him up. I said, babe, let's just let him sleep, all right? It's, it's going to be okay. The point I was going to make, though, before I went on that tangent is, I can remember with all three kids, the moment they came out of the womb, the nurse took note of the time. She looked at the clock that was on the wall and she compared it to her watch and she said out loud the time of birth so that she could write it down on the birth certificate. Are you with me? Likewise, there is a specific moment when a person is born again. You, you don't morph into salvation. No, there is a moment in time when you realize that you're lost and you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and you're born again. There is a moment when you are lost and then the next moment you're found. There is a moment when you are in your sins and then as you ask Jesus into your heart, there is an instantaneous moment when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and you are forgiven. Now, some people, especially those who were saved in childhood, may not remember the exact moment or the details of their conversion. I can't tell you the exact date I was saved, but there was a moment in time on a Sunday night at the Westside Free Will Baptist Church in Midland, Texas, that I fell under conviction at the age of six years old when my pastor was preaching on hell, and I ran down to the altar and received Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. The act of salvation is sudden and instantaneous. It occurs when you trust Christ to forgive you of your sins and to save your soul. Now let, let me tell you where this sermon actually came from. This past week we had our yearly staff planning retreat. And I don't know whose brilliant idea it was to go to Branson for the retreat, but we went to Branson, and uh, we, we were debating on Monday whether or not we ought to leave because of the weather, and, and I can remember a couple of the staff guys saying, oh, it's okay, it, we'll be fine. I should never listen to those guys, all right? But we got up to Branson, and guess what? We got iced in. But it wasn't a bad thing. I mean, if you're going to be iced in, there's no better place than Big Cedar to be, to be iced in. We had a couple of sessions where we were all together, that is, all of the staff and all of the spouses. So there's 12 of us, and, and we were in this, this lodge, we were in the, the main lobby area, they had a big fireplace going there, and we brought all the chairs together, and, and we just kind of had a little campfire meeting. And on one occasion, I'd shared with the staff just, just from my heart and a vision for our future. The next time we came together, it was a little different. And, and what I asked them is, let's just go around the circle, and I want you to tell the rest of us your conversion story. What's your story? 
Now, the hidden motivation was I wanted to make sure they had a story. We, we, <laughs> praise God they all did, all right? We're, we're, we're good there. But let me tell you, e- even though there were some similarities with everybody's story, everybody had a different story. Angie was saved at Camp Beaver Fork when she was nine years old. The year before that previous year, her father was tragically killed in an accident, and God had been working in her little heart ever since, and and summertime came, and there were two men in her church that took a week's vacation and hauled a bunch of kids from the Corning Free Will Baptist Church to Camp Beaver Fork so that those kids could experience church camp. And one night when Phil Ainge, there were two brothers, Phil and Nate Ainge, Phil Ainge was preaching and he he preached on salvation and the Holy Spirit convicted Angie. And as a nine-year-old girl, she came to the altar and she confessed her sins and invited Jesus into her heart. She looked down and there was her sister Candy. Both night, that night, both Archer girls got saved. Isn't that great? I love Brother Johnny's story. Johnny was just, what did he say, a, a week over seven years old. He had, he had been seven for a week, and he was at church, and the preacher preached and gave the invitation, and Johnny said, I, I felt it. I was convicted by the Spirit of God, and I knew, I knew I needed to go down and be saved, so I pulled on my dad, dad's pant leg, and I said, Dad, I need to go down there and pray. And Johnny said, his dad looked at him and said, you're not old enough. So you know what little Johnny Miller did? He just trotted down to the altar by himself. That tells us volumes about Johnny Miller, doesn't it? And God saved him. One of my favorite stories was of Ray Copeland, our primetimer pastor. Ray grew up at the Armour Avenue Free Will Baptist Church, the first Free Will Baptist Church back in its heyday when Rupert Pixley was the pastor. And one, one Sunday, Rupert was preaching hellfire brimstone, and Ray was a teenager on the front row, and he was under conviction. He said, it must have been obvious to Rupert that I was under conviction, because during the invitation, Pixley came off the stage and down on the floor and looked at me and said, Ray, isn't it about time you gave your heart to Jesus? And Ray came down and got saved. Well, let me tell you something. If Jesus is your Savior, you've got a story to tell. There there was a point in history, there was a point in your life that you felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and so you prayed to Jesus, and you were saved. You made that decision, and in an instant, in a moment, you were born again. But you know what? While the act of salvation is instantaneous, the process that leads up to it is not. There is a period between conception and birth, and we call that gestation. For the human being, for the human lady, it is how many months? Nine months. Nine months of misery. Come on, ladies. <laughs> oh, it's not that bad. What am I talking about? You know what? For a possum, 12 days. <laughs> Can you believe that? 
For an elephant, it's two years, so I don't guess nine months is that bad, huh? Likewise, the gestation rate for the soul varies from person to person. I know some people who, for the first time, having heard the gospel message presented, they immediately fell under conviction and gave their heart to Jesus. The first time they heard the gospel, they got saved. For other people, it takes a lot longer. For example, I read about a man who was saved at the age of 113. He got saved because he remembered a message he heard when he was only 13 years old. It took 100 years of conviction, but he finally got saved. You, you know what my prayer is? My prayer is that if you have never been saved before, today, today in this service, you get saved. And there is a moment at the end of this service when you pray that prayer and invite Jesus into your heart and all of a sudden, just like that, the Holy Spirit moves in. The old is gone and you become a new person in Jesus Christ. The new birth is instantaneous. It happens when you pray the sinner's prayer. Number two, the new birth provides a new life and a new family with a new father. Just as birth is the beginning of life, the new birth is the beginning, listen to this, of eternal life. Let me read to you what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, which is reserved for you in heaven. Let me tell you, when you get saved, new life begins. You go from dying to living. Recently, doctors at the Harvard Stem Cell Institute have shown that injections of a protein that they have dubbed GDF-11, appear to cause a reversal of many of the signs of aging. Analysis showed that when injections were made in laboratory mice, every major organ system tested displayed signs of improvement, with the protein even appearing to reverse some of the DNA damage, which is synonymous with the aging process. Well, having heard that, and read that, I have decided I need at least one injection of GDF-11. <laughs> Here's what I do know. Ever since Adam felt that first twinge of arthritis, and ever since Eve discovered her first wrinkle, we've been looking for the fountain of youth. But here's the fact, as soon as you were born, you started to age. Yet as soon as you're born again, you become ageless. <laughs> Woo! Man, that is awesome. Peter said, when you're born into this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, only then do you begin to start living. We have a new life with a new family and a new father. And when we're saved, life really begins. 
Number three, the, the new birth imparts a new nature. And, and honestly, this may be the main analogy between being born and being saved. The great Bible teacher, author Pink, wrote, the new birth is the impartation of the new nature. When I was born the first time, he said, I received from my parents their nature. So when I was born again, I received from God his nature. Everything is born with a particular nature, and that nature is imparted by the parents. So a rabbit is never going to soar like an eagle because rabbits weren't made to fly. An eagle can't swim like a duck. A duck can't bark like a dog. For every living creature takes the nature of its parents. Genesis says that everything produces after its kind. And as human beings, we have taken on the sinful nature of our first parents, Adam and Eve. You were born in sin. You were born with the inclination to sin. That's why you don't have to teach little bitty kids to be naughty. It comes natural. And if you don't believe that, it's been a while since they've signed up for We Worship, right? Or it's been a little while since you've been around a little two-year-old. Why does a child go through a period known as the terrible twos? Well, it's because he or she is discovering their own self-assertive will, and they are matching their little tiny will against your adult will. And what I've discovered is, most of the time, the two-year-old wins. No one has to teach us how to scream, or scheme, or steam. I worked hard on that, so come on. It just comes natural. It's who we are. But when you are born again, listen to me, when you are born again, you receive a new nature. Your heavenly Father imparts His own nature, His own character into your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. A Christian, therefore, isn't just someone who is trying harder to be a good person. He isn't someone who just goes to church and doesn't cuss or chew or go with girls who do. A Christian isn't just someone who is reformed or has found religion or has turned over a new leaf. No, no, a thousand times no. He is nothing less than a new creation with a new nature given by the power of God. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become... This means that every Christian has two natures, listen, two natures living within him. One is the fallen human nature, our sinful nature. The other is our spiritual nature. And those two natures are contrary to each other. They oppose one another. And they are doing battle in your heart. Paul said it like this in Galatians chapter 5. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the Spirit 
to the flesh. They are in, say that word with me, conflict with each other. Dr. Thomas Mulberry was my systematic theology professor and New Testament professor and preaching professor and just about every other religion professor when I was at Hillsdale, which is now Randall University. One of the smartest men I've ever met. He wrote a commentary on Galatians, and this is what he said about this passage I've just read. Dr. Marb said, the flesh represents man's old nature, his natural desire to that which is evil and contrary to the will of God. Unfortunately, the Marb said, this sinful nature is not eradicated at salvation. The Christian must live in a lifelong battle with self and sin. The two natures in us thus lie in constant conflict with each other. So which nature is going to win, the sinful nature or the new nature? The one you feed. (laughs) So you've got to starve the sinful nature and feed the new nature. And that brings me to my final point of comparison. This new birth, being born again, requires growth and nutrition. When a baby is born, that baby comes with a built-in appetite for mama's milk. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter said, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Therefore, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, and he is good. One of the, one of the things that comes along with, with pastoring and preaching is that I have to do a certain amount of pastoral counseling. And in that role, even though I don't feel like I'm very good at it, I, I do feel like that that when I'm given those opportunities, I become a physician for your soul. What a medical doctor does for the body, I try to do for your heart. When you go and visit a doctor with a complaint, they're going to ask you a series of questions, and sooner or later, they're going to ask you about your diet. Are you eating too many fatty foods? Are you consuming too much salt or sugar or cholesterol? He'll often tell you, to begin eating healthier food because you cannot maintain good health on a bad diet. We don't like hearing that, so we go home and eat some Cheetos. (laughs) You know what? I found that the same is true for the human heart. Most of the people who come to see me are suffering in part from a deficient diet. You can't be spiritually healthy unless you are consuming a wholesome daily diet of God's Word and His instruction. You need a daily intake of the Word of God. In order to grow in God's family, you need to spend time in His book. You you start with the milk of the Word. That's what babies eat. Little, little baby Jules over there. Angie, you're doing so good. You've not lost it. You, I, she's still sleeping, isn't she? Have I told you how beautiful Jules is? She's just, 
She is so pretty. But you know what? Jules lives on milk. That's, that's what sustains her and helps her grow. And as a new believer, that's what you drink, the milk of the Word of God. But sooner or later, you got to get off the milk and into the meat of the Word of God. We need that spiritual nourishment. Just like your body needs to be fed food, your spiritual soul needs the Word of God. Now, all of this leads to an important question. So let me just ask you this question on the board. If the new birth is an instantaneous event, which gives new life and a new family with a new father and an unquenchable desire for the milk and the meat of the Word of God, if that is all true, it is true, is it not? If that is true, are you absolutely, positively certain that you have been born again? Taylor Smith was preaching one day in a great church in Europe. His text was, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And in order to drive home his point, he said, My dear people, do not substitute anything for the new birth. You may be a member of this church, but church membership is not new birth. And except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then he pointed to the head deacon in his special chair. The deacons all sit in a little section, and this guy was the head deacon. He was in his chair. And he said, you might even be a deacon like my friend sitting here in his pew and not be born again. But I want you to know, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, a few days later, he received a letter from that deacon who wrote, my dear brother Smith, you have found me out. I have been a church leader for 30 years but I knew nothing of the joy that Christians talk about. I never understood it. I did not know what was the matter with me. But when you pointed at me, I realized in that moment what my problem was. I had never been born again. What about you? Why, Mr. Whitfield, a friend once asked him, why do you always preach on you must be born again? Because, Whitfield replied, because you must be born again. I've said all that to say this right here. It's very simple. Have you been born again? That's the, that's the most important question in your entire life have you been born again and if you have been born again you've got a story to tell I mean you don't, you don't even have to think about it if you've been saved by the mercy and the grace and the forgiving power of Jesus Christ you know your story do you got a story if you don't you need to start writing your story today your story could be just like that young man at the end of our first service. Joey, probably what, 17, 18 years old? Joey came with a friend of his to first service. 
And he fell under conviction. In fact, I think he's been under conviction for a week. He was here last week. And during the invitation, Joey came down to this altar right here. And guess what? Joey started writing his story. His story was on February the 5th, 2023, I went to the Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church and Pastor Will preached from John chapter 3, you must be born again. And somewhere during that sermon, sitting right back there where Ronnie Fox is sitting, he was convicted by the Holy Spirit of God. And when the invitation was given, he came down here and he prayed the sinner's prayer. And he was born again. <laughs> and more than anything else, I want that for you. Because look at me, look at me, look right at me. You must be born again. Would you come today and be saved by the grace of God? I'm going to ask that you bow your head and close your eyes. Here in a moment, I'm going to pray for you. If you're listening online or if you're live in this audience, we're about to give you an opportunity for your life to be changed and for you to start writing your new life story. Come and be saved. If you're here today and you are a Christian, but you're away from God, you know that you know you're away from Him. Friend, you need to come home today. You need to come back in relationship with the Father. And one more thing, if you're here in this room and you're a Christian and everything is right between you and God, guess what? You've got friends and family members and co-workers and neighbors, classmates that are without Jesus and without hope. Would you come and pray for them? that they need someone to intercede for them, would you be that person today? Heavenly Father, I know you're in this room. From that first song, I could feel the presence of Jesus here. And I know that you're working in lives, Lord. So Lord, help, help those who need to come just to step out and come forward today and receive their gift of salvation. We give you praise, honor, and glory for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand up, and, and as soon as you stand, just, just keep the movement going. Step out. Come to the altar and pray for salvation, for rededication, for the salvation of a family member or friend. If you need to come, I'm asking that you come right now. Come on, don't, don't wait. Don't put it off. Don't say, I'll do it later. You need to do it now. Come on, right now. Listen to me. Come. You must be born again. Come to Jesus now. Come now. Come to Jesus now.
Lord, today we've tried to lift up Jesus because we know that if we lift up Jesus, he will draw all people unto himself. Lord, help us right now before we close this service to, to take care of this business. Church, listen to me with your head bowed and your eyes closed. There are people here praying at the altar. Maybe, maybe you needed to come, but, you, but you, you just didn't do it. But God is still convicting you, and you know you need to be saved. If that is you, if you know you need to be saved, you've never been saved before, would you just pray this prayer with me right now? It's a simple prayer. Pray it from your heart and mean it. And say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I know you are the Savior. That you died on Calvary's cross for my sins. Save me, Jesus. Come into my heart. Change my life. I confess my sins and I confess Jesus as my Savior. And friend, if you have prayed that prayer from your heart and you mean it, please see one of our pastors after the service. See Brother Johnny, Brother John, uh, Jason, Brother Nathan, Brother Ray, myself, Miss Angie. See one of us so that we can talk to you and pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've done in this service. Thank you for showing up today, Lord. We praise you and we love you. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives and in this church. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Give God a hand, would you? awesome right there. Hey, thanks for being here today. When you walk out, if you're a member of Kavanaugh Church, drop your offering in one of those black boxes. We appreciate that. Wednesday night, uh, Brother Ray Copeland's going to preach, and then right after the service, I'm going to meet with all of our C group leaders for our next C group session. We were supposed to have already had sign-ups and started, but the inclement weather has messed all that up. You know what? It's all in God's timing. I'm not, I'm not complaining or griping. God's got a plan for us, all right? So next Sunday, we're going to sign up for our C groups and then go into a six-week study on spiritual gifts. I know it's going to be a great, great time. Hey, did y'all know there's a big event happening today right here at Kavanaugh Church over in the Teen Center at 2 o'clock? guy named Eli. guy named Eli. Hey, do y'all, do y'all know a guy named Eli? You've heard about him? Is he a good guy? You know, I heard, I heard a story that Eli went to UCA and Conway, got involved in this ministry up there, and just had his socks knocked off by this beautiful, <laughs> incredible, godly, wonderful woman. Is it? And they fell in love with each other. And he asked her to marry him, and she said yes. I mean, is all this right? And they're going to get married. 
soon. So a wedding shower. Well, there they are right there. <laughs> wedding shower today, 2 o'clock. Come for that. It's going to be a great time if you get into stuff like that. And I know some of you do. So awesome, awesome. Hey, we got two groups going to Puerto Rico. The first group is leaving this Tuesday. In fact, they leave at 7.30 a.m. to Tulsa. They're going to get on a plane, fly to Puerto Rico. This is the group that's going to spend a week with Pastor Jose and all the kids in the academy there, 31 of them. You've already given the money. They're going to go spoil them on your dollar and let them go and, and buy things that they want and they need. Then when they get back a week from now, uh, the next group is going to go, and it's a construction group. So pray for these two groups as they go to Puerto Rico. Not tomorrow night, but next Monday night, I'm going to have a meeting with our church board. So church board, y'all are going to meet up here at the church on February the 13th. Got two reasons for that meeting. Number one, we've got to prepare the budget for the new church year. But the second thing is, I need to remind y'all that Valentine's Day is the next day, all right? So... That was supposed to be funny, but apparently it didn't come across funny. One, one last thing, there's a, there's a guy in our church uh, from Texas, and he's having a birthday today, and his name is Fred Trowball. Fred, happy birthday. Now, let me, let me tell you, right before you clap, let me tell you, Fred and I got this special handshake, and nobody else in the church does it, just, just Fred and I. Do it right now. Do, do your, right there, we do this, and then we just can't interlock those horns right there, and that's our... Someday we might do it with you, if you're lucky enough, all right? Fred, God bless you. Happy birthday to Brother Fred Froball. Now give him a big hand, would you? Hope you have a great day. God bless you. Get out of here.